0: Would you stand with me as we go to the word of the Lord? I want to turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. How many of have ever heard of the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For that is the king, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. But the verse after that, when they asked Jesus, how do we pray? And he said, this is the model. He said, all those things I just said. But the verse right after that says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. There's a contingency upon forgiveness in the Scripture. God says, I want to forgive you of everything you've ever done wrong, but I will only forgive you if you forgive others. It's a gate. It's a gateway. And so that gate only opens for your forgiveness from heaven when you forgive others what they've done to you. And there may be some people in here who have had some really horrible things done to them over their life. But you have to put it in God's hands. For you to be forgiven, you have to give it to the Lord. And then it says in the next verse, it's very clear, but if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Amen. I'm going to preach to you a little while on a topic that will make more sense a little bit later, but I want to preach to you on the topic of the gate called forgiveness. The gate called forgiveness. Jesus, I ask you just to touch your word. Lord, you know that I have spent time in your word for this and I have prayed over this and I pray it answers a question in somebody's heart and it helps them to lay down anything that has been done, anything that has been said, anything that they have that's in their their life that is affected by the hurts or the wounds or the scars of someone else. In Jesus' precious name. Everybody said amen? You may be seated. We went out to get an amazing burger the other night with some good friends who shall remain unnamed, uh, but starts with Steve and ends with Ellen. <laughs> and we were having... You know one of those burgers with everything on it, with an egg on top and all that stuff? Oh, my goodness. There's going to be some of those at the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven. I'm sure of that. We were having these amazing, this amazing burger, and we were talking, and the conversation turned to how our children are raised and how everyone makes decisions, and then we began to talk about how we're so thankful to be saved, Amen. We're so thankful that God forgave us and that all of us have to go through the same uh, gate, that we all have to find God and find his forgiveness in our life. And it was kind of, and I'm kind of giving you the cleft notes, but we were just sitting there talking and I, I want you to know that I don't have any ulterior motives in this sermon today. I want you to know that I'm not a person who keeps grudges. So I may not necessarily feel like a sermon about forgiveness fits me every time, but I can tell you this, the Holy Ghost will talk to you if you let it. If you don't need this message today, I would tell you just to put it in a to-go box and take it home and have it Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday when you need it, cuz you're going to need it at some point because if you don't forgive you become bitter there's no there's no other option you either forgive for what's been done to you or become bitter over what's been done to you You don't have a choice. That's why the Bible tells us we must forgive. The Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine in Scripture. And the Bible also tells us that we are supposed to be like the palm tree. The Christian is supposed to be like the palm tree who has its life at the very center. The vine has its life on the edges, so when the fox crawls up to get to the grapes, it scars the vine. And because the life is on the edge of the vine, the vine dies. But the righteous are like the palm, David said said, which means that the palm tree can be bent over. The palm tree can be laid down in a storm, and it will slowly stand back up. The reason why is because its life isn't on its edge. It's, it's not thin skin, brothers and sisters. It has its life so buried in a place where the storm cannot get to it that no matter what is done to it, it will continue to grow. I don't know if you've ever seen beaches and pictures of beaches where there's trees that have fallen down. Literally, palm trees that have fallen down and then they continue to keep growing toward the sky. I don't know how it's possible for a tree that's been uprooted to continue to live, but the palm tree, it can do it. It can get water from sand. It can learn how to live in harsh places. And that is the picture of the Christian. When we forgive, doesn't matter what knocks us down. Doesn't matter how hard life gets. We can still produce fruit. We can still grow. We can still have another day of life. If we we learn how to forgive, unless I mix too many metaphors, I want to use the metaphor of the gate, understanding that a gate can be closed and a gate can be open, and we must all enter into the gate of salvation. For narrow is the way that leads to life everlasting. No matter how much I'd love to, as a pastor, make the gate wide enough for everyone to go through, I cannot make the gate any wider. You have to come through Jesus Christ. There's only one way to get saved. And so the gate of salvation is Jesus Christ. But I want you to know that every day after your salvation experience is a bonus in God. I remember seeing a guy sitting in a chair, and he had a jacket on, and he's coming off the concourse ramp. And they had their honor flight to, to honor World War II veterans. And they flew over to Washington, D.C. and went to the monuments, and they came back. And he had a bomber jacket on the back of the bomber jacket because he survived in a war. He was a Purple Heart receiver, and he received all that because of his valor in, in the face of combat. But on the back of his jacket, it said, every day is a bonus because he should have died but because he's still living, he says, I may be in a wheelchair, but today is a bonus. I don't know what you've been through or what you go through every day, but I want you to know from the point that you're saved, beyond that, that is where you've realized that I was not deserving salvation. I could not do it on my own. There are no good works I could have done. I couldn't have walked enough grandmas across the street. I couldn't have done things that were the best, but I was not deserving, but Jesus saved my life, and every day... After that point is just a bonus in life. So, because He saved me and because He forgave me, I need to learn to forgive others. He gave me life. Gates are a place of defense. I want you to understand that forgiveness is a defense in your life. There are spiritual gates and there are physical gates. Some physical gates are boundaries possibly in your life, places where you don't let people come in. There's some things that are set up that should have boundaries, and you should put gates up before you need them, brothers and sisters. You should put physical boundaries up in your life before you get in a position where you need them. But the spiritual gates are sometimes not necessarily seen too well. The Bible, Bible will tell us about these. It'll tell us that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. That literally rebellion and witchcraft open the same gate, spiritually. There's also other gates, the gate of forgiveness. There's spiritual gates that we understand. There's gates that open in thanksgiving. The Bible says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. It opens up the blessing and the protection of God whenever you come into church and you have a thankful spirit. I don't care how the week it went. When you come in here, you step into the throne room spiritually of Almighty God. When they start playing stringed instruments and they start singing in worship and you lift up your ten stringed instruments and begin to praise the Lord with your voice and with your demonstration of praise, I don't know what you were taught from the Word of God, but you cannot praise God and not make noise. There's no place in Scripture where it says you can stand stoic and praise God. You can worship God without making noise. You can sit on your pew and have a tear run down your eye and have one of the deepest moments of worship you've ever had. You can sit in a tree stand. You can sit in nature next to a stream, a babbling brook, and have a moment of deep, powerful, and anointed worship without saying a single word. You can worship in your thoughts, brothers and sisters. You can worship God from your mind because worship is knowing who he is. But you cannot praise God without making noise. You need to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. You need to lift your hands, O ye people, and celebrate. Clap your hands unto the Lord. All of these things are praise. Sometimes we celebrate those gates, and we don't recognize that we need to celebrate the gate of forgiveness. That forgiveness is, Closes the door of bitterness in our life. And it opens the blessings of God. The blessings of God. It's a spiritual gate, brothers and sisters. And it was a place of defense in the Bible. They had gates on walled cities. Most cities that were overrun in history, in antiquity, were not overrun by climbing over the walls. Most cities were... Were taken by the enemy because they bribed the gatekeeper. You can do your history study and you'll find out how many times strong cultures and cities fell just because they got to the gatekeeper. And I want to remind us today that we are not to be molded, we are not to be shaped by anything in our life but the power of God. No bitterness, no offense. It is offense, brothers and sisters, but it's an offense, and there is a gate to it, and the gate is forgiveness. No no difficulty, no struggle, no predication. Do not, do not ever, brothers and sisters, hear me, do not ever put qualifications on your walk with God no matter what happens to you never say well if God would have done this I would have lived for him if you put a qualification on your walk with God the enemy will make sure he has it come to pass in your life he'll do his very best to form that weapon and le- unleash it at you if you say well if if this would have happened or if that would have happened or I'll I'll serve God as long as it doesn't that's a qualification brothers and sisters you are you need to just be happy to be saved and everything after that's a bonus and it doesn't matter if my body gets sick or if my mind gets troubled or I have a stressful job or I have no job at all, I'm still going to praise him. I'm still going to lift my voice and worship him. I'm still going to sit and magnify the name of God. I'm still going to make him famous. Nothing has the power to close my gate in my life, So I want to tell you that there's a lot of references in the Bible to gates. The Bible mm-hmm. makes reference whenever Jesus is talking to Peter about the revelation of who God is. He says, who, are, who do you say I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the flesh of the, the son of the living God. And when he says that, he says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father which is in heaven, he gave you the revelation of who I am, the Messiah. And he said, upon this rock or that revelation of the mighty God in Christ Jesus, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Brothers and sisters, hear me. Gates in that reference means the council or the authority of hell. Hell cannot speak, hell cannot move, hell cannot strategize against you. And while I say don't put complications or, or criteria on your salvation, understand this. If you have given all of yourself to God, there is nothing the enemy can do to keep you from being in his hand. Amen? You have strength in him. But the gates were a very interesting thing in Scripture. A lot of times there was an outer gate and an inner gate, and a corridor, or sometimes even rooms for the soldiers in the walls in between those two gates. The Bible talks a lot about gates in the Scripture. It deals with the different scenarios where gates were used, and I can't even give you enough to help you to understand how important it is that you use and open the gate of forgiveness in your life that no matter who does anything to you, you give yourself over to forgiveness because forgiveness has to work in the church and forgiveness has to work to help you to forgive yourself for sins that you have done in the past and you need to have a place where you go and you use forgiveness over and over again you close the gate of bitterness by opening the gate of forgiveness and remember brothers and sisters if it seems like you are losing to forgive somebody. Understand that forgiveness is not a place of weakness. Amen? I would say it better, forgiveness is a place of strength, not a position of weakness. You need to understand that there's power in forgiveness. There's power in laying things down. At this district conference, the Lord was moving in so powerfully. It's a, it's a, We call it district because Wisconsin State is a district. But all the ministers were gathered, and there was a preacher, obviously, that comes in. He's a friend of mine, but not a close friend, Scott Graham. He's preached so many sessions that I've been in, and he preached a message about why Antioch. And he's talking about how Paul would have persecuted the Christians that ended up at Antioch. And when he showed up, when Barnabas went to get him and bring him as the assistant pastor of the church in Antioch, that's where people first called them Christians at Antioch because they received the one who had persecuted them. He received the one who the Bible even says had caused Christians or Holy Ghost-filled believers to blaspheme. He was so Hard And so malicious and so, uh, you know, so uh, what would be a good word to use? He, He was able to make them feel so at a loss that some would even blaspheme. And those people were immigrants. They were refugees to the church at Antioch. And when they showed up, they walked up and said, I'm so glad God got a hold of you. And they forgave Paul who was the Saul that possibly killed her husband or killed his wife. They forgave like Christ forgave on the cross. On this Roman torture device right here, Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Why did Jesus do that? As an example to us to forgive the worst possible acts of brutal uh, nature or or of malicious intent from other humans towards you? Yes, that is why. Because you were not meant to carry the burden of bitterness in your life. It'll make you sick. It'll give you cancer. It'll shut down white blood cells. It will destroy your body if you carry bitterness. But Jesus got on that cross and said father forgive them those that were crucifying him those that put nails in his wrists and his feet he said father forgive them for they know not what they do not only was he doing that as that example for us that if he can forgive for what they did to him there then we surely can forgive someone who lies on us someone who gets who cheats on us someone who does things wrong and brothers and sisters you're never supposed to put your trust in in man, You're only supposed to put your trust in God. But sometimes we get our trust misplaced. And God showed us through his sacrifice that you need to forgive even the worst of men. And when he did that, he wasn't just saying, do it because it's good for you. He was saying, do it because it's a position of power. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And so when he gets on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them for the They know not what they do. What he's doing is he's making sure that there's no bitterness in him. There's no reason for him to be uh, upset. He is literally dying as a spotless lamb on the cross. And he needed to forgive. The king would often take his seat at the gate. There was counsel and there was judgment that happened at the gate. There was also Witnesses at the gate. And the witnesses were there because justice needed to be done. But justice didn't just need to be done. It had to be seen to be done. And so Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So that we have a record of one who forgave the greatest of trespasses. So we have a place to go where we see the king open the gate of forgiveness. So I was at this conference, and that message was being preached, and I knew, I knew the reference. I leaned over to Brother Nate, and I said, he's going here. I know where he's going because I knew about that. And so I was expecting just another sermon, Brother Steve. I wasn't thinking that God was going to sneak up and tap me on the shoulder. But that's how God works. You, th- you think you're just sitting in a church service right now, but really, the Holy Ghost is sneaking <laughs> up on you. <laughs> and suddenly, God does something, and it changes your life forever. Can I belabor a little bit and tell you my story one more time? My, my mother has asked me to forgive her so many times, and, Mom, I love you, but it's not about that. She's been forgiven. That's not a problem. But my stepdad came into our lives when I was young. He drank sometimes, but he was abusive. I used to sleep on a bunk bed, and it was in a little alcove in our family room. I didn't even have my own bedroom. And I was on the top bunk, and he would smoke, chimney smoke all night in the family room watching TV, and there was a gray haze in the room. And I had to lay my head off my bunk bed. Literally, this is my bunk bed. I had to lay my head off my bunk bed to get below the haze so that I could breathe at night, so I could go to bed. And I remember that living in Anchorage, Alaska at the time, and he was abusive. He sexually abused my sister and myself, and he went to jail for 15 years. And I had to forgive him, and I did. I forgave him so long ago, 47 now, 48 years old now. I'm getting older. I don't like to be older, so I guess I'll just be 47 forever. But I forgave him. I saw him through the window at the jail, and I felt no emotion. I felt sorry for him that he was in that jail, and I wanted better for him. You know you've forgiven somebody completely when you can look at them and wish better for them. When you have no longer any emotions attached to the offense, you've given it all to Jesus, and he's washed you, and you have thoughts come up again of how they hurt you, and you feel those anger and that bitterness again, and you say, Lord, I forgive him. And it comes up again, and you say, Lord, I forgive him. You just keep forgiving and opening the gate of forgiveness, and God will keep mending and healing you. So we're at this conference, and he's preaching on how they forgave Paul. From all the travesties that he did to them, all the bad things he did. But they took him in their arms and they said, We're so glad you're now a brother and you are our pastor. They not only forgave him, they took spiritual leadership from him. And so the service got over. I walked down past the screen. They had screens up. I walked down into that corner. I just said, you know what? I'm just going to process this, Brother Reese. I'm just going to process the word of the Lord that was given. It was anointed preaching. And I went into the corner, and the Holy Ghost tapped me on the shoulder because all of these years, he has died, and he died lost. He was not right with God when he died. And my brother took the house that he was living in. He got out of jail, and he bought a house, and he basically... Did, he, he was not living right when he passed away. I'll leave it at that because I want to keep it as PG as possible. And my brother sold the house and, and I, I knew, unless he prayed a prayer on his deathbed, I knew that there's a possibility that he didn't make it to heaven. And somewhere down inside me, Aaron, whether I had a conscious thought or not, because of what he did to me and my sister, I was okay with that. And the Holy Ghost walked up and tapped me on the shoulder and said, you cannot say as a pastor that you want everybody to go to heaven when you're okay with one person going to hell. And in that corner this week, I realized there was one little root of bitterness left from that situation. I thought I was good. I thought I had years, Sister Veronica, of things being all right. I'm good with that situation. I'm okay with the pain and the hurt and the difficulties. I'm okay with a life of working out how to have good relationship and good cuz I couldn't connect deep enough to have great relationships because of the wounds of a child. And I learned I learned in that situation That whenever you stand in the gate of forgiveness, that the Holy Spirit will come and it will counsel you on little roots of bitterness you did not even know were in your heart still. And the Holy Ghost is cleansing you and helping you and fixing you and mending you. And don't ever go through a sermon and think, this sermon's not for me. This lesson is not for me. This word, though it does not return void, it's not really fitting me because it will find its way into your heart. The Holy Ghost, if you let it work, will sit at the gate of forgiveness and it will counsel you because that is what kings do. They would go sit at the gate and they would counsel and justice, And the Holy Spirit has come to be our counselor at the gate of forgiveness today. And if you let yourself, there may be things in you you did not even know were there that still need to be handled by the Holy Ghost. I'm not saying go on a treasure hunt looking for the worst possible things that are in your heart. But the Bible says that a wise man knows that the heart is a deep well. And the wise one will draw things out of themselves. And the Holy Spirit will do that. It'll help you. It'll guide you. It'll keep you. And it will reveal to you the things that you need to still forgive. He'll be your comforter at the gate. I don't know if that resonates with you or if it's just a story that you can file away. But I can tell you this. This year I'll be a better pastor because I found that root of bitterness still there. This year, I'll be a better man to my wife because I found that root of bitterness still there. God and his spirit, if you will do the forgiving, God will do the mending and the help, and he'll help you in ways you can't even understand. I always knew that when Jesus said, forgive them, that it was an example to us. But I now realize Jesus was sitting down as king in the gate of forgiveness when he said, Father, forgive them. He was making sure that there was nothing attached to him when he went into our atonement work that could keep him from doing the work of God that he was called to do. He was doing judgment, he was doing justice. And when he sits down in the gate of our lives, he is demonstrating his majesty. When we choose to forgive, God chooses to show up in power. When we choose to forgive, God shows up in majesty and glory. When we choose to forgive, the gates cannot be bribed. We cannot be overrun There are witnesses that are going to see the healing in your life, and they will know that God is your justice maker. That vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And when you release it to him, the king will get up, and he'll take his seat in the gate of your forgiveness. He'll sit down, and he'll make all things new, and he'll make all things right eventually. Amen, somebody. It's time for someone to take their place at the gate of forgiveness. I tell my story not so that you feel any pity for me, because I am far beyond that moment in life. I have had so many great experiences from the understanding that people lived in those kind of circumstances. It created an empathy in me for those that hurt, and it made this church a hospital for the hurting to heal. That's what this ministry is all about is that people can heal here. And you may not see the most dynamic things happen in this ministry. I don't even care what you do not see. What I want to make sure you do see is that when people walk through that door with pain in their body, we can pray the prayer of faith and they leave with their pains gone. I want you to see that people walking through that door with mental trauma and mental difficulty can have the balm of Gilead put on their life. And we're sympathetic enough to say, I don't know what your life is like, but I. I came from a place that had the healing power of God and I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for the forgiving power of God. Had I not forgive those that did things against us and did not rightfully help me or did things to hurt me, if I had not forgiven them, I would not have a ministry to this day. I would not care about people the way I do and I would not see God move the way he moves. God is using forgiveness in my life so that I can enter the gates of thanksgiving so that I can enter all these other great things so that I can have an anointing in my life I have prayed over this sermon longer than I have preached it and I'm about done but I promise you this when the king is seen in your life when forgiveness is at f- in effect in your life people will turn around and people will come to God through you that is the truth, that your ministry is done more through your testimony of what you've had to go through and help, had help from God to forgive than what you actually stand and promote sometimes. I will have more success as a minister, not at this pulpit, but actually sitting down one-on-one with somebody and helping them learn how to forgive other people. Forgiveness is critical. It's a gate that opens all other gates. And there's protection there, and there's soldiers there, (laughs) and there's government there. There's places in the Scripture where there's so many things that happened at gates. I don't even have time to go through it because it would be great for those that absolutely love historical Bible documents and things like that, but let me just tell you this. The Scripture says in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, Ephesians 1.7. The Bible says forgiveness is at work in the church because it says this in Colossians 3.13, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. The scripture tells us in so many places to forgive, Forgiveness can't recall sin. Their sin and their iniquities will, I remember no more, says Hebrews 10 and 17. He throws them in the sea of forgetfulness, and you've heard it before. He wrecks a sign of no fishing. Jeremiah thirty one thirty four records something beautiful to the people, and he said, and they shall teach no more, every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, amen, I'm so glad I know the Lord. How about you? saith the Lord, For I will forgive their iniquities, and I will remember their sin no more. How can a God who knows all forget our sin? He chooses not to act upon it any longer, and He covers it in the perfect blood of Jesus Christ to save us. Amen. So where our sins used to be, now it's only red. I'm so glad I'm covered in red. How about you? Forgiveness is for cleansing because of Jesus' blood. 1 John 1 and 9. Jesus, John spoke of our faithful God who not only forgives us our sins but cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Forgiveness also allows us to be kind to one another. In fact, in Ephesus, they link the two together. For Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice or thats hatred and be ye kind one to another tender hearted that's what i was talking about empathy tender hearted forgiving one another everybody say the gate is forgiveness forgiving one another even as god for christ's sake hath forgiven you forgiveness cleanses us forgiveness helps us Forgiveness forgiveness cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Do you think that you are above and beyond the forgiveness of God? In any way, you are not. God freely offers it to you. I want you to know that. His forgiveness is a free gift if you ask him. Do you think you are past the mark of being forgiven? The Bible makes no mistakes and saying that Jesus cleanses all, all unrighteousness. Amen. So we know that God can forgive us of our sins. That that story that I tell you about my stepdad, it's interesting to me that I was somewhere inside. I thought, I'm sad he went to a place. I don't, I don't I'm telling you, I don't really know, but I, Looking at his life, I was sad that he may have died lost. And although that was the case, I want everyone saved. I want everyone going to heaven. And if I'm okay with a criteria of something in my life, if they did this, they should go here. If I'm okay with that sentence, then I'm disservicing the grace of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice he gave on the cross because he can save anyone. It doesn't matter their deeds. It doesn't matter the damage they caused. It doesn't matter the therapy that was needed afterwards. God can save them, and you have to be okay with that because you did not die for them. They may have done things to hurt you, but you did not die for them they deserve forgiveness from God for the sins in their life just like we needed forgiveness from God for the sins in our life and the Bible tells us that you are to be a gatekeeper of forgiveness you are to forgive people whether they deserve it or not you swing open the gate of mercy you swing open the gate of forgiveness you swing open the gate of grace that same thing that was given to you, offer to others, and in doing so, as you forgive, the level at which you forgive, God will forgive you. Stand with me today. Lord, I know this message is for someone here. I don't know who it is. I don't know who needed to hear it. And maybe there's some people that feel like it just kind of went by them. But I pray that your miracle work would be done in this house right now. That you'd heal places that people don't even know are there. That you minister to the broken and the hurting. That scars and wounds that never healed would heal up today. And that somehow in this place, we would recognize that we are responsible to forgive. And that while we're praying, the Bible says, if any man have ought against thee, that you are to go to them. You're supposed to be in the position of forgiveness. If someone has something against you, the Bible doesn't say for them to come to us, Lord. But you instructed us in Matthew that we, when we know of them having something against us, we are supposed to go to them. You flipped the whole thing on its head, Jesus. When you said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so today, maybe someone can heal. Maybe in this house, this is a hospital, not just a church today. And somebody leaves here feeling like, you know what, I've carried this weight far too long. I've let somebody's offense lead me to do things and act in certain ways that it's really not me. It's just, I'm a kind-hearted person. I, I love people, but... I've been cranky, and I have been, I, I, I have been difficult only because I'm still upset about how life treated me and how someone in my life treated me. And I pray if there's a human being like that with a heart that's damaged in this room, that the Holy Ghost begins to mend you right now in the name of Jesus, and that whatever was said against you is laid at the cross. And whatever was done against you is laid at the cross. If Jesus can forgive, so can we. For such great offenses as he had, surely we can lay it down as well. I pray this over our heart today in Jesus' name. Somebody said amen. Would you find a place to pray and ask the Lord? Lord, help me to take back that gate of forgiveness. I don't want it to be open to bitterness. I don't want a root of bitterness to spring up and thereby many be defiled. Because, Lord, what's in my life needs to only represent you, Jesus. What's in my life needs to only be what you want it to be. I don't want to be shaped by bitterness. I want to be shaped by your grace. I don't want to be designed by my bad habits or my bad choices or or poor coping because of things I haven't forgiven I want to be shaped by your love and your mercy and your power and your anointing God I put the king back at the gate of forgiveness and I trust you Jesus to handle any injustices whatever I lay down today I'm putting it into your hands I'm putting it into your hands God so that you can best handle it at the gate of forgiveness Be my judge, be my keeper, in the name of Jesus. Would you find a place to pray? You may be seated, you may kneel, whatever you want to do, but don't leave until you take a moment of reflection and just ask God to find anything in your heart. Help him to remind you of anything you need to lay down today. You will lay down burdens and you will walk away free. you will walk away new, you will walk away lighter than you came. As long as the king sits down at the gate of forgiveness, the kindness of a savior. Come on, we want everybody going to heaven. We don't want any contingencies. We don't want someone that has hurt us to
1: We don't want to be okay with someone being lost.
0: We don't want to be okay with someone being save. left behind. He is His salvation is for everyone. We want that. Forever. Pray for Conqueror someone who's hurt you. Pray salvation. for those who mistreated you. When you can pray grave. for them and mean it, then you've truly the found forgiveness. Help us today, Jesus. Whoever needed this word, help them today. We want to...